Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Now listen, if you are like me, there are probably times in your life when you scroll through Facebook, you look at Instagram, or you're watching the Tic Tac videos, right? And you think to yourself, all right, you think to yourself, these people just seem so joyful, right? They, they seem so joyful, and, and all these seemingly joyful posts can make us feel like our own lives are somewhere or somewhat a little bit less joyful, right? And this is true, right? There's report after report about this. And, and one particular report, um, an article actually by Inc.com, breaks down this phenomenon like this. They say this. Of all the ways social media can be bad for you, right? One of the worst, according to science, they say, is the ability for Facebook and the like to induce envy. You see your friends posting smiling selfies at exotic destinations and and doing the humble brag about their professional and personal accomplishments, and yet you end up thinking your own life doesn't measure up, right? And this article also points out that most people really are not that joyful, right? They're just not that joyful as their, their social media accounts make it to seem like they are. Even when they post a continual stream of, of happy pictures and, and tic-tac videos, right? After all, social media is just one big highlight reel, isn't it? Right? And to be honest, we know this. We really do. Right? We know this. And we know that deep down, we are aware that generally, right, people are not joyful of every minute of every single day that they're alive. Right? We know that, that most people, ourselves included, live a very different life than what we put on onto social media. Right? What we portray online. But even though we know this, right, even though we know this and understand this, these posts and these pictures can still impact us in a weird and goofy, a negative way. Now, listen, right, for me, my reaction to other people's posts depends on how I feel about my own life on that particular day. Right? Maybe you can relate. Listen, if I get onto Facebook or something like that, and I'm feeling pretty good, pretty positive about things, I am typically happy for people who are posting joyful things on my wall, right? When I see those on my wall. But if I'm having a bad day, or I'm feeling a little negative, or feeling unhappy, and I hop onto Facebook, or look at those, those videos, and see people posting about their perfect, joyful lives, I usually end up feeling worse about my life. Right, so maybe, maybe the takeaway is, to make today short, and we can just go home, right? Maybe the takeaway here is, we should just stay off social media when we're having a bad day, right? But no. Here's the, here's the thing we got to look at, right? Look, I know that that was a funny example, but here's the thing, right? Take a look. We all strive to experience joy, don't we? Right? We, we all strive to some manner, 
to some way of, of experiencing joy in our lives. But in a world where life can change in a moment where things are less than perfect, where bad things happen to good people for no reason, finding joy can be elusive. Right? It, can be, it can be difficult, if not downright impossible. It's like me, every time I go hunting, right? Everything's elusive and impossible to find, right? right? It just doesn't work, right? And that's the same thing when we are finding or searching, looking for joy. Now, here's the thing. Right, understand, as Christians, right, people forging our life on God, right, the longing for a joyful life is even more profound right, because we don't just desire joy, do we? Right? No. Right? We don't just desire joy, we often expect it. Right? We often expect it in our life. As people who choose to follow Jesus, who forge our life on him, we can believe that joy should be a natural byproduct of that choice. And if we are really being honest, we often believe that God should provide us with a joyful life. Right? And that leads me to ask this question. Right? How do we typically measure joy? Right, think about it. Right, how, how do we typically measure joy? Right, we, we probably measure it through our relationships, all right? uh, through our, our circumstances, through stuff, probably, right? Uh, through our spouse, through our, our kids, through our, our friends. We, we might measure joy through our job, our things. Right, take, take a look at this right here. Right, we all have a mental picture of what a joyful life should look like, don't we? Right, every one of us sitting in here today or watching at home, we all have a picture of what a joyful life looks like. Right? But most of the time, the majority of the time, reality does not reflect the picture that we have in our minds. Right? Right, our spouse, not so perfect, right? Just, just using it as an illustration. Right, our, our kids, right? Our kids cause us sleepless nights, right? Or in some cases, they may be annoying, right? A friend is unhappy with us for some stupid reason. Our job is filled with stress and demands. The roof is leaking. We need new tires, right? And so here's the problem. The tension that we need to peel this morning like an onion, right? Take a look. When reality doesn't meet our expectations, when life doesn't uh, reflect the perfect picture in our minds, we can become convinced that we just won't experience joy. It's just impossible, that it's elusive. When, when reality doesn't match up with our expectations. And this belief in turns fuels a cycle of discontent, doesn't it? It really does, right? When our expectations are net, not met, we not, uh, may not start right away, but we only see the bad in every situation after a while. Right? We only start to see uh, the horrible things in everybody that's around us, and we stop looking for joy. So, so simply put, Right? We can say that the tension of expectations not meeting reality can be said like this. Right? Joy 
becomes blocked by hopelessness. Doesn't it? Right? Joy becomes blocked by hopelessness in our lives. Right? This is exactly what happens, doesn't it? Right? We, we lose hope that our marriage or relationship will get better. Right? We, we lose hope that our kids will make better choices. We, we lose hope in finding good friends. Uh, we lose hope uh, that we'll find joy in our career. We lose hope that we'll get the things that we need to make us happy. And all this hopelessness, this cycle, it begins to take up so much stinking space in our hearts and in our minds that there's just no room left for God-given joy. There's no more room for God-given joy, right? But Foundry Church, right? What if there was a different way? I think about it. What if there is just a different way to view this whole joy thing? And let's dig into that, right? Let's figure this out. What if, what if we are using the wrong standard in our life to measure contentment? Right, well, what if, and this is a big what if, take a look, right? What if we could forge joy? Think about it, right? Well, what if we could forge joy in our life? The, the Bible offers some great insights into identifying and experiencing true joy. It really does. Our, our first insight is found in the book of Proverbs. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there because we're going to be there. Proverbs chapter 15. All right? And as always, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you and you can take those with you when you leave here today. They are free. They are for you to use or to give. That's what they're there for. So we're going to be in Proverbs in the Old Testament. Proverbs 15, 15. And as you're turning there, you can also look on the app. You download the app at your favorite app store it will take you a few seconds, and there's a Bible tab where Proverbs is already pulled up. So as you're turning there or downloading the app, let me give you some context, right? Our first insight into this, this fight for joy is found in the book of Proverbs, right? It, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, much of Proverbs was written by an ancient king named Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live. Solomon was extremely wise, and he was extremely wealthy, but he found that even an abundance of stuff does not automatically translate to joy. He had like hundreds of wives, and yet he had a thousand concubines, right? No joy, right? In fact, he spent a lot of his life trying to find more joy and more meaning. Right, and in one proverb, Solomon makes this observation. All right, let's look at it together. Proverbs 15, verse 15 says this. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Right? For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Now, the, the very first part of this verse, it gives us a recipe for a very bad day or a, a very bad life, right? Despondent it basically means hopeless, right? Hopeless. And this verse acknowledges that hopelessness just brings more hopelessness, right? In other words, hopeless people 
right, tend to continually focus on what is hopeless, right, on what is bad, on, on what brings trouble, on worry, on anxiety, not margaritas in Margaritaville, right? right? And to be honest, we, we all know, right, we all know that there's a lot of trouble that we could focus on in, in any given day, in every day of our lives, really, right? right? And in fact, all it takes is just one little thought right, to, to provide hopelessness in our lives. It just takes one little comment to find that hopelessness overwhelming us. Uh, a phone conversation, a text conversation, uh, one clip of the news, one unexpected deadline, one mouthy word from your kid, one thoughtless comment, right? Hopelessness. And when these moments happen, right, our, our hearts can become troubled and despondent, leaving no space for that joy, Right? No space for that God-given joy. And if you're anything like me, when, when something not so great happens in your life, you have phrases that just seem to pop up in your head over and over again. Phrases like, oh, here we go again, right? I figured this would happen. I guess today just isn't my day or, or this isn't fair. It looks like God is, isn't going to answer my prayer. I can't believe I, I messed up again. I and mean, we could add so many things to that list, things that pop up into our head. Right? We all have disparaging thoughts that if we're not careful, we can put on repeat over and over again. Right? Some of us see every day that does not go our way as a bad day. Right? We see that a day that doesn't go our way as a bad day. But really? Right? Let's just be honest, right? right? Let's think about this, right? And if you have to, tuck your feet in a little bit because I'm about to step on some toes. Right? Right? Think about it, right? A bad day. A bad day, right? It's a luxury we give ourselves, right? Because with so many more days that go on in our life, we believe that we can afford to waste a day in self-pity and resentment and negativity or despair. Think about it, right? How many, how many days this past month or maybe this past year that you and I have wasted in emotions like that? Right? Is that how we want to live our lives? Right? Constantly looking for trouble, uh, reacting to and not responding to. Do we really want to base our joy on circumstances? Is this the up and down roller coaster that we want to settle for in our lives? Because I hope not, right? I hope not because we still have the second part of this verse that, that it gives us, that Solomon gives us, right? Right, the second part, right? Right, for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Right, can I get an amen on that, right? A continual feast, right? That's a good thing, right? A continual feast. Now, that sounds good to me, right? I, we'll sign up for that, right? Right? And according to this verse, the person who gets this feast is the person who has a happy, joyful heart, which sounds pretty good too, right? That sounds good too, right? And isn't a joyful heart what we want from God, right? But Foundry Church, 
Listen, right? If we are honest and really look into the mirror, right, and are, and are willing to maybe even step on our own toes a little bit, we'll see that this, the, the truth is, right, that the truth is that we're not necessarily looking to God for joy. We're not looking to God for joy. We're, we're looking for perfect circumstances, right, if we're honest, which really translates to God simply just giving us what we want, right? And deep down, we realize that getting what we want doesn't equal joy. God-given, everlasting joy, right? We all have different circumstances, don't we, right? Some are good, some are bad, Right? And the reality is, is that all of our circumstances uh, will look different a year from now. Right? Some, some of our circumstances will be better for us. Some of us will have worse circumstances. But here's what's interesting. Right? Take a look. Right? Some people are living through terrible circumstances, but they still have joy. Right? They're living through the darkest valley of their life, but they still have a true sense of of joy. Other people have amazing circumstances and feel incredibly hopeless. All right, listen, all right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, the, the happy people who enjoy uh, the continual feast, right, this, this continual feast are people who forge it into their lives. All right, they say, I am going to live in Margaritaville, right? Whatever that looks for them. Right? They are the people who choose, who fight, who forge joy. Right? Think of it this way and, and take a look. Right? This is what they're doing. Right? They are forging joy in their life by fighting for joy. They're fighting for it. Right? Let, me, let me slow down here for a second. Right? I, I don't think joy naturally comes to anybody. I really don't. I don't think joy naturally comes to anybody. It doesn't just show up by default, does it? No. Right? It doesn't only exist in perfect circumstances. There is, this is just not the case, right? Joyful people are intentional about fighting for joy, right? right? Forging it in their life. And as they forge that lifelong reliance, on God. So, so now, right, the, the, at this point, the question becomes this, right? How do we fight for joy? Right? How do we achieve this God-given joy? How do we, how do we actually fight for this in our life? Right? The, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Right? He said this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, right? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise, right? Right, Paul, right, he doesn't say just think happy thoughts, right? He doesn't say just think happy thoughts. He doesn't say just, just be positive or, or, or stand in front of the mirror like a superhero for five minutes and you're good to go, right? He doesn't say fix your attitude. Instead, he essentially says this, take a look. I got it there. 
Take a look. It says, focus on the things that have substance. Right? That's what he's saying. Focus on the things in your life that you can put into your life that have substance. And that's what we want at a feast, isn't it? Right? Substance. Right? I went one time with a former boss of mine. We were celebrating another colleague, and we went to this little French restaurant. And they were like, we can't go there. This isn't going to fill up Andrew. Right? It's little food. Right? We want substance. Right? We want a feast. Right? Things that are reliable and worthy of respect. Things that are pure and good. Paul knew that we can choose what we think about. Right? And we can fight for our joy, which starts in our mind. Right, just like we can think about what is bad about the people around us, we can think about what is good about them. Right, just like we can, we can think what, uh, about what is bad in our lives, we can think about what is good uh, about God, can't we? Right, just like we can have a constant sense of hopelessness, we can forge a table for feasting, for feasting on substance. Right, if, if you were to say some of these, or, or say something to a friend of yours that brought them, brought them worth and joy and meaning to their day, right, what would you say to them? Something good, right? Something tasty, some, some good news, right? And you can think about those same things in your own life, right? You can forge a table for feasting on reliable and worthy thoughts. Right, but this won't happen by default. Right? You, you gotta take take a look, right? You, you gotta do and realize this that our mind, your mind, is a battlefield, and you have to fight the thoughts that lead you af- away from what is true and good. <clears throat> you gotta fight those thoughts that are leading you, pulling you away from what you know is to be true and pure and righteous, just all those things that Paul was writing about. Right, if we want to forge our minds on what is true and noble, it makes sense that we start with God's word. Right? What is even better is if we begin to feast on God's truth. That this is the main course. The substance that we need. Right? This is how the Old Testament prophet uh, Jeremiah uh, himself described it. Jeremiah 15 Uh, 16 says this. He says, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord of God of heaven's armies. I devoured them, he says, right? Jeremiah, he was an ancient uh, prophet, which means that he was the literal mouthpiece of God to God's people, right? God would speak to Jeremiah, and, and then he would pass that, that message, those messages, on to the people, right? God's people. In addition, Jeremiah had access to God's written word, to the written word of God himself. As Jeremiah began to appreciate God's word, whether it was spoken or written, it became a joy and a delight to his soul. He devoured it. It, it. it satisfied him, right? Like a big old feast. Right? We can forge the same thing inside of ourselves. Right? And, and so here's the essential jumping off point of all of this. 
right? The, the essential place where we start when we take the word of God and we're going to make it the thing that we continually feast on to experience this joy. It's that we have to, to realize, we have to begin this process by, by holding on to this truth, and that is that God loves us more than we could ever imagine. That God loves us more than we could ever imagine possible. That's where we start, right? He's for us, right? He is the bread of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He came that we may have life and we may have it to the full, our best life, and a life that is forged on him. Listen, Foundry Church. Listen, right? He, our God, is a life-giving God, and his words are life-giving words. His words provide comfort. When we feast on his words, right, when we are a part of this continual feast, his words provide comfort. His words offer strength. His words deliver peace. His words are a continual feast, a smorgasbord, right, a smorgasbord. And when we realize that God loves us more than we can imagine and we dig into his words and we feast on them and we devour them like Jeremiah said, his words will infuse our life with joy. A joy that is just there. Even in the darkest moments, even in the moments where we just don't know what what is up and what is down, that joy is still there. A God-given joy. When we forge a feast on God's word, his words, over time, they'll become a joy and a delight in our soul. But listen, this won't come easy. It doesn't come naturally. We have to fight, like we said. We have to roll up our sleeves and we have to fight for the time to engage with God through his word, don't we? And here's a secret. We all know this. It's not really a secret. We all have enough perspective to understand that people who are very close to God, who have have joy and are fighting for it, who who are devouring his word, can still go through those very dark valleys, who who still have these these very low moments in life. In fact, you may be one of those people right now. You may be in one of those valleys right now, and you may be thinking more about surviving than fighting for joy, right? We've been there, right? And I get that, right? Just thinking about surviving instead of fighting for joy, I get that, we understand that, and that's okay, but here's a truth, a biblical promise that we can, we can just white knuckle, that we can grab a hold of, right? Take a look, right? People who are close to God are people who are joyful no matter the circumstances, Joyful no matter the circumstances, even in the deepest, darkest valleys of their lives. Right? Let, me, let me say this. What if instead of focusing on our circumstances and whether or not they look like we had hoped they would look like in our lives, we focused on thinking about and absorbing God's truth. Right? We just focused on this continual feast, this smorgasbord that's in front of us. What if we focused on the incredible grace and goodness that God offers us every day, the power that he offers us every day? Right, right, take a look. What if we asked this question? What if we asked God for more joy? Think about that, Foundry Church. If we prayed enough for, for just God-given joy, 
What if we ask God for more joy? What if we ask God to help us enjoy our time with him a little bit more? What if we beg God to help us carve out time to, to feast on his word, to pray and to read his word and look for ways to enjoy it? Think about that. What would that do in your life? Right, lean in here for a second. Right, listen. Ultimate joy. Right? Ultimate joy comes from thinking thoughts and believing truths that line up with truth. Not feelings, not circumstances. Right? Joy, joy, God-given joy comes from recognizing and believing what is true. Right, The number one way to cultivate more truth in your thinking and believing is to be grateful for that truth. Listen, right? The more we, we thank God, right? the more we thank God for what is good and what is true and right now in our lives, the more we begin to notice what is good and true through his word. Right? If you want to make or, or forge a new path of joy in our hearts, then gratitude for his word, gratitude for, for the time that you get to spend with him, gratitude for the things that he's doing in your life is the way to that path. Right? As the, the band comes back up, let me, let me state this. The, the, that path right, to, to finding joy is pretty straightforward, right? The, the path to finding joy is pretty straightforward, right? We dig into his word, right? We're grateful for it, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's easy, right? Having a joyful outlook is a battle. It's a struggle. It's a fight, but what is the alternative? To remain cynical and bitter to stay on that emotional roller coaster, living moment to moment, basing our happiness on temporary things, temporary circumstances, reacting and not responding, the difference, to let days, months, and years go by while we're waiting on our, our happy picture to work out just right. Oh, man, our God is the inventor of joy. Our God, the God that we're forging our life on is the inventor of joy. It is one of the ways we know that his, his spirit is at work within our lives. Right? There is no downside to having more joy. But we have to enter the battlefield and we have to fight vigilantly to attain it. And as we grow in our joy, we have to fight just as intentionally to protect it, right? to, to keep it. However, however, though, here's the thing, right? It is a battle that we'll never regret fighting. It's a battle that we're never going to regret fighting, so we've got to fight for joy. So let's make a decision today to forge ahead this week as fighters. Right? Let's, let's go ahead and stand together.
We're going to worship through song, right? We're going we're gonna to worship through song. We're going to worship our Lord. And we're going to take a moment right now through this song to devote ourselves to seeking his joy through forging a life on him, getting to know him through his word and express gratitude to him because of it. Let's stand and worship this morning.